0: welcome 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 everyone to 90 day with mary jane k today i'll be giving my commentary on 90 day fiance happily ever after season 7 episode 1 suddenly everything has changed the episode opens with jenny and submit submit is 33 jenny is 63 and they've been married for two months submit met jenny online he saw her profile and he thought she was pretty she looked like a nice person and he said she looked innocent. Who looks innocent in their 50s and 60s? Jenny and Samit developed feelings, but the problem was that Samit used a fake picture and a fake name, and Jenny was getting catfished. Jenny describes the catfish's picture as some white looking guy from England, and Samit points out that guy was actually an actor. How stupid is Samit? if Samit is going to catfish someone Why use a famous or semi-famous person? Obviously, it's not going to be them. Also, why didn't Jenny do a background check and reverse image search? It seems very unlikely that a guy that looks like that would be interested in her. Wouldn't critical thinking tell you, wait, maybe something's not right here? One day, Sumit came clean and he was terrified that Jenny would block him when she knew the truth or that she might even call the cops on him. Jenny said she was having fun with Samit, so she didn't want it to end. She told Samit she wanted to see him, the real him. So she went all the way to India to meet Samit in person. They had a long distance relationship for a few years until Jenny decided to move to India to marry Samit. They didn't get married that trip though, because Jenny found out Samit had another secret. He didn't tell Jenny he was married. Listen, if someone lies to you once and you accept it, they will lie to you over and over and over again. First, Samit lied about who he was. He catfished Jenny and he also insulted her intelligence by using an actor, too. Then Jenny didn't do her homework and she decided to keep it going. Nothing told her a red flag, alert, alert. Instead, she wanted to fly to India and meet Samit. Then she visits for some reason, intending to marry him, only to discover he is already married. And eventually, these two actually got married, and they do live in India now. What else will Samit lie about? If he knows that Jenny accepted being catfished, and she accepted that he had another wife at that time too, knows Jenny has no boundaries. He can do anything he likes, and he can come clean later, and Jenny will just take it because she thinks she loves Submit, And it's probably her whole self-worth to have this person in her life. And it may be the only positive she has in her life. And it's the thing that she gets all of her happiness from is being with this person. And I know Jenny loves Summit or she thinks she loves Submit, And I know Submit takes care of her on the show. He seems very sweet to her. But I think Submit is a car salesman. He's a con man. And he's not necessarily conning Jenny at this point, but he is always going to be willing to lie to her and deceive her and apologize later. And what's in this for Samit? She's 63, he's 33. I thinks Samit doesn't want a traditional Indian lifestyle and he doesn't want the arranged marriage again. He doesn't want a family. He doesn't want the life that's expected of him by his parents and the society in India. And Jenny is Samit's way to free himself of that burden. Samit says his first marriage was an arranged marriage, and he and his ex were not in love. It was totally arranged by his parents, and he tried to do it. He tried to make it work, but it didn't work out. After the first visit to India, Jenny came back to the States, and after a while, Jenny came back to India. But then Jenny and Samit had to deal with Samit's parents who were very against the relationship that their son had with an older woman, a woman older than his own mom. Jenny says Samit's parents were against things, but then they had a change of heart. Jenny felt she had finally won over Samit's family because they had a conversation that was somewhat positive and Jenny decided it was time to get married. Jenny and Sumit got married, and it's been over two months now. And Sumit says he enjoys married life, but he doesn't know for how long. Sumit's parents still don't know that Sumit is a married man. Sumit wanted to tell his parents at the last tell-all, but they shifted gears on how they felt about Jenny. At that tell-all, Sumit's mom said she won't like it at all if Summit and Jenny marry. After the tell-all, Jenny and Samit move to another apartment on the other side of the city. Jenny says they are worried that Samit's parents will find out about the marriage. So Samit's family might try to come and take Samit away. They've done it before and she knows they will try to do it again. Jenny feels less pressure now that they are married and Samit thinks the only hurdle left for them is him telling his parents. Jenny says, Samit can always choose not to tell them and they can go live in another state. Samit is in a tough spot because a lot of people know that they are married and if his parents find out accidentally through someone else, Samit fears they might never talk to him again and he wants to avoid that. Samit can't live a happy life without his parents because in India, the parents' relationship with their child is very strong and it's a very important relationship. So, Samit is very nervous. He thinks Samit telling his parents will hurt their happiness and that it's going to cause problems for them. Summit can't hide the truth, though. He says if someone tells his parents, anyone other than him, they will feel betrayed. And Jenny tells Sumit it's his life and that he should think about how happy they've been. Jenny doesn't want anything to spoil their marital bliss. Sumit doesn't want to spoil their happiness either, but he tells Jenny it's too late now. He already invited his parents and they're coming tomorrow to Jenny and Sumit's old house. Jenny asks if she is supposed to be there with him and Sumit would love it if she comes. Jenny thinks this will just be a repeat of the last time his parents were over, but this time it will be worse. Jenny says that Sumit didn't talk to her about this first and it was just something he did without even consulting her and Jenny feels like she is being tricked into this. She asks, what the hell? What's the point? Why did we leave the old house? She says she doesn't feel comfortable. She doesn't feel safe and she didn't want to have to worry about any of this drama going on. Jenny tells Sumit they got married. They are happy and still they can't be happy. Sumit knows it's hard for Jenny to understand, but he can't keep this from his parents because they are the only people who love him unconditionally along with Jenny. Sumit says whatever he does, it's possible he might lose his parents, but he has to do this. Why is Jenny shocked that she feels Sumit tricked her by planning this behind her back? He already lied about his name and image. He even insulted Jenny's intelligence by using the image of an actor. She still flew to meet him and marry him. And then she found out he's already married. She also let that go. She had to pull teeth to get Sumit to actually marry her. And his parents are against it because not only is Jenny an American who is 30 years Sumit senior, but in Indian culture, they do arranged marriages and the husband and the wife live in the house with the parents. And there is a huge stigma and societal shame for his parents because he divorced the first girl and now he's with Jenny and it reflects on the parents in society and also Samit and the bond he has with his parents and the bond that parents have with their children in India is so strong. So Samit values his parents and this is very big to him to have them accept him and love him even if he doesn't want to have a traditional Indian life. So I know that Samit's parents don't like Jenny and Jenny doesn't like them. And i get jenny not wanting stress and drama but if samit wants to try and work things out with his parents if it weighs so heavily on him and it's important to him she doesn't have to be positive about it but she shouldn't discourage him from talking to them just because she wants to live in marital bliss with no drama these are his parents in an indian culture it's a different religion it's a different culture it's a different relationship and a different bond then in the U.S. and then what Jenny is accustomed to. And so for Samit, this is important and she should just support him as he tries to do this rather than encouraging him to avoid doing what he feels is right just because it would be more convenient for her. Next up are Bilal and Shida. Shida has never seen snow, so Bilal and Shida are playing in the snow. Shida and Bilal have been married for seven weeks. They met online and it took three months for Bilal to decide He wanted to go down to Trinidad to meet Shida. The first thing Shida noticed when she met Bilal in real life was his small head. They decided to get married just three days later, and they only had seven days together. And then Bilal went back home and he started the visa process. But it took two whole years. After Shida eventually arrived in the U.S., the prank started. Bilal tricked Shida big time by taking her to his old home. He told her that was his current home. Bilal was 100% dishonest, Shida says. Bilal says it was a prank just to see if he was a millionaire and he lost everything. Would Shida still want to be with him? So he tested her and she failed miserably, he says. On top of Bilal testing Shida, Shida had a lot of adjusting to do coming to the U.S. Shida had to adjust to Bilal's whole world and she was scared to meet his kids. She didn't know what to expect. Shida says she and Bilal weren't on the same timeline to have a child together and then Bilal dropped the prenup on her. Shida signed the prenup at the last minute because Bilal added two clauses for Shida. One was about Bilal helping Shida start a business in the U.S., And the other was about Shida having a baby with Bilal by age 40. Shida says the best part of being married is you don't have to be lonely anymore. You don't have to sleep alone. You have someone to communicate with every day. And Shida says she doesn't have to spend her money as often too. That's always a plus. Shida says she and Bilal are still learning about each other. And she's adapting to Bilal's OCD. Bilal wouldn't say he is OCD, however, he likes things a certain way, clean, whatever. But he says Shida is on a whole nother level. She has an infatuation with the human tongue. Shida likes her tongue pink and clean. It can't be cheesy and white, she says. Whose tongue was cheesy and white? What kind of frogs has Shida kissed? Shida looks forward to her life in Kansas City. But there's one hurdle they need to get over, and that's what happened with Bilal's ex-wife and Shida. Shida doesn't feel good about it. The problem for Shida started when Bilal's ex-wife came to her home to try to make her sign the prenup. She was insinuating that Shida was a gold digger who wants to take money from Bilal and his kids. And she says that's a serious accusation. Shida says what happened was unacceptable. And Bilal doesn't want to see Shida hurting, but he feels like Shida is holding onto a hot coil and it's burning her, and he thinks Shida should just let it go and move forward. Shida says men are from Mars and women are from Venus. She tells Bilal women are different, they are emotional, they tend to hold on to pain. Bilal encourages Shida and his ex to get to know each other, and he suggests that they get and talk since they are all in each other's lives. And he says they shouldn't be hostile towards each other. Shida says when she came to the US, she knew Bilal was a package deal. He came with kids, he came with an ex-wife and he wanted things to be friendly between everyone for the sake of the kids. So Shida wants to address what happened. Bilal suggests that Shida go into this with the right intentions and a positive mindset. Bilal thinks Shida had some challenges in integrating into his world. He says between Shida and his ex-wife, there is a huge gap, but they need to get on the same page because Bilal wants the dynamic to flow right for the sake of his children. Bilal asks, who doesn't want peace? Who wants chaos? Next up are Kim and Usman. Kim is getting her teeth whitened, as she watches a Soja Boy video. And she tells the technician that Soja Boy is so hot. Kim is 51 and she is from San Diego. Kim says if anyone would have told her she would be in love, she would tell them they are on some good drugs because there is no way in hell. Kimberly was married for 20 years, but it was really bad. And after that, Kim said she would never get married or fall in love. She would just bang somebody every once in a while. And then she met Usman. Kim met Usman online. He is a 33-year-old Nigerian rapper and an up-and-coming star. Kim doesn't even know what she was thinking when she DM'd him. But a few days later, he video called her. They talked that day for three hours. She started off as a fan, then a super fan, then a friend, then a potential girlfriend. And then Usman invited Kim to Tanzania to watch a music video shoot And she knew this was her chance to go from potential girlfriend to girlfriend. Usman had reservations about Kim. He wanted to get to know her first. They flash back to scenes of Kim perving on Usman, begging him for sex, asking why he won't bang her, telling him to admit he doesn't want her. And Usman tells her if he didn't want her, he wouldn't invite her. Kim says she had to jump through hoops to make Usman her boyfriend. But hashtag, she wins. How the fuck is this woman winning at all if she had to jump through hoops and beg and plead for this man to be with her? That means that that man doesn't really want her if it's like pulling teeth. And as a woman, if you respect yourself, you won't ever chase a man that doesn't really want to be with you and get them to make you theirs like pulling teeth. Any woman who respects herself will know that she doesn't deserve a man who doesn't want her enthusiastically. Second, It's really gross to beg someone for sex over and over. Take the hint. Also, the hashtag I won is super cringe and pathetic. Usman is a human being, not a trophy or a prize to be won. And is it really winning if you have to chase a man down and beg them to screw you and they do it very reluctantly just to shut you up? Kimberly jumps all the way in the pool with Usman and Usman has barely dipped his toe in deserves better for herself and Usman also deserves to be with a woman that he is enthusiastic about. Kim found out that Usman was in a relationship with Zara when she and Usman first started talking and the music video he shot when Kimberly was there in Tanzania was for a song Zara about Zara, of course. Kim reacted by meeting Usman and dumping a glass of water on him when she found out like an angry 15-year-old. Kim says even though she was upset, she still loves Usman and she still wants to make things work. When the trip ended, things were shaky between Kim and Usman and Kim didn't know how things would play out. Kim felt like Usman and her needed time apart after Tanzania because it was so intense and they had lots of issues to work out. At the tell-all, when Kim found out about the video chat between Usman and Zara, it hurt her deeply. Usman apologized and he invited Kimberly to Nigeria and Kim decided that she loves Usman and she wants to find out what the future holds. While Kim was in Nigeria, Kim wanted to find out if they are really boyfriend and girlfriend and she wondered, does Usman really love her? Usman treated Kimberly like a queen and now she has 100% confidence in Usman. He has proven himself to her. Kim meets with her friends and they are super leery of Usman in nigeria usman commented to kim that her teeth were yellow so we learn that's the reason why kim just got her teeth whitened she got that done just for usman and kim tells her friends that nigeria was amazing because she and usman got so close and usman invited kim to come back to meet his family and his mom So kimberly will be returning to nigeria in a few days kim says the fact that usman invited her there to meet his family means a lot to her so kimberly announces that she is going to pose to usman on this trip and you can tell kim's homegirls know kim is very naive and that usman is totally taking her for a ride kim loves him she wants to propose and she tells her friends that she thinks it would be different for her to propose as her friends sit there staring at her in disbelief her friends ask if she is moving to africa And Kim says she would just do the K-1 visa process with Usman and bring him to the U.S. And Kim's other friend brings up that Usman wants kids. And she asks if they talked about a second wife because Kim is past the age where she can have kids. And Kim says since she can't have kids, she and Usman would include a second wife that Usman would have children with. Kim knows it sounds crazy, but women there are brought up to do this. And Kim would be the first wife, so she says she would get all the love and the good stuff. This is psychotic, to want love so desperately that you chase a man down and pull teeth begging him for sex that he doesn't want to give, then treating him like an object with an I won, I won, just because he agreed to sex after he was badgered incessantly by Kim to do it. Then she flips a lid when she finds out about Zara, But now she wants to keep Usman at all costs. So since she can't have kids and Usman wants kids, instead of parting ways like a rational woman would, she would rather keep Usman and let him marry a second wife and have kids with her, provided she gets to keep him. And in my opinion, that's some sick shit. All because she thinks she loves him. But I don't think Kim loves him. She loves the idea of love because there are some women who feel... Having a man and having a person and having love or their idea of love in their mind will give them all their purpose and happiness and worth in life. So these women formulate a fantasy and they will ignore every red flag and every alert and they will just try to force this to come to fruition in their life by hook or by crook. And they don't love the guy. They love the idea of love and they think they now have a man And they are hot shit. It gives them some worth. They think they're going to be happy. They think they're going to feel good just because of that. But if self-worth and happiness and contentment don't come from within yourself first, you will never find love or worth or peace or happiness with another person. It asks too much of the other person when all of your happiness depends on them and you being with them. And this is really sad because Kim better for herself and Usman deserves better too. Kim's friend can't believe that Kim is even entertaining the thought of being in a polygamous marriage. She doesn't think Usman could have separate feelings or no feelings at all towards the second wife and the mother of his kids. She thinks Kim is being unrealistic about Usman being able to have separate feelings completely from this woman. If Usman gets the K-1, Kim doesn't want his hypothetical kids coming to live with her. Kim read the Islamic law, and she knows that's not how it would work. Kim's other friend warns Kim that she is moving way too fast. But Kim doesn't care about her friend's opinions. She is going to live her life. Kim knows how judgmental her friends can be. She has the same questions as her friends, but she feels like she gets defensive because she knows the man Usman is. She knows that this is the man that makes her so happy. Kim says she is not a perfect person, but she feels like she is interrogated. And she tells her friends to look at the questions they are asking her. She says she would never ask them these questions. She gets upset that they are asking about the second wife shit and she walks away. The, Kim's friends know this is all stupid and ridiculous, and they know Kim is placing all her happiness and worth on a guy who doesn't love her who she thinks she loves but she doesn't really love him just because this makes her feel good about herself and because kim wants to continue feeling good and that's probably all she has going in her life so she will keep usman at all costs even if she has to have him find a second wife and she's not even thinking it through as long as she gets her dose of feeling good from usman just like a drug addict would feel good from getting their drug kim wants her friends to look up to her and admire her life and her relationship and she wants to be that girl where her girlfriends swoon with her over some guy she's with like in junior high but these women her friends know this is nuts and they are being very real with her and they are looking out for kim It seems to me like Kim is very naive and gullible and that her ego is bruised because instead of her friends telling Kim, this is great, they are like, what the fuck? Next up are Andre and Elizabeth. Elizabeth met Andre when she was planning a trip to Ireland. She wanted to meet people, so she downloaded a dating app and she matched with Andre, spoke a lot on video chat, and then she flew out to meet him. They got engaged and applied for the K-1 and they got married and they got a new house and it means a lot for Andre to own a house in America because being an immigrant to own a house, it's a huge step symbolizing the American dream. Andre has his real estate license and he asks Elizabeth's dad for help. Chuck runs a real estate business with the rest of the family, but they weren't happy about Andre asking for a loan to start his company. Chuck realized Charlie, Elizabeth's brother, is never going to accept Andre being in the family business. So Chuck took Andre under his wing and he decided to mentor him one-on-one. Andre is very thankful because they wouldn't be here right now if Chuck had not done that. When Andre began to work one-on-one with Chuck, when he no longer had to interact with Elizabeth's siblings, they were hopeful that things would get better within the family business. But honestly, the more successful Andre got, the more jealous the rest of the family got. Chuck was upset, so he wanted to get everyone together, and he had a family gathering. But Charlie came in ready to fight. For Elizabeth, the hardest part of that day was seeing how hurt her dad was. Since the tell-all, nobody in the family has been talking to Charlie, and he is no longer part of the family business. Andre has seen Jen and Becky, Elizabeth's sisters, a few times, but they try to avoid each other at all costs. Chuck says the barbecue was one of the worst days of his life. We learn that he is a cancer survivor and he didn't survive cancer to see his family fighting on his back porch. Chuck says this is the most fractured that the family has ever been. Andre is making a studio so Elizabeth can supposedly sing. And he says if the studio doesn't work, it can be for a second child's room. And Elizabeth says Andre is trying to decide for her, but they haven't spoken as a couple about more kids yet. Chuck says he's learning about his daughter's singing career and maybe having a second child. But he asks her, what about her commitment to him and her work with her dad? Elizabeth asks Andre to stop. He's being a little intense and insistent about things. And Andre gets pissed and he tells her to fucking stop. And he tells her to not say hush 50 times because it's not relevant. Elizabeth has to assure her dad that nothing has been finalized. They are still just talking about things. Elizabeth never envisioned working for her dad her whole life. So recently she has been considering what she loves and that's singing. But her dad's business is also important to her and she puts a lot of time and effort into it. So she doesn't want to make any rash decisions. she won't let her husband make decisions for her back to submit and jenny submit brings jenny breakfast and she tells him she woke up in the worst mood from last night today is a big day submit is meeting with his parents to tell them that he and jenny are married and he's risking his relationship with his parents but it's worse if he hides it and they hear the news from somebody else submit wants jenny to support him but submit feels Jenny is hesitant because she has had a very bad experience with his parents in the past. Jenny thinks it's a bad idea for her to go with Samit to meet his parents. Samit thinks if they go together, it will make a clear statement and it will show his parents that they are together, they are united. Jenny remembers the last time and how mean Samit's mom was to her. And it was hard for her and now Jenny feels She has to go through this all over again. Jenny wants to make Samit's parents understand that Samit chose his own path in life. And Samit says he knows his parents. If Jenny says anything because they don't like her, it's not going to go well. And Jenny asks why she should even be there with him if she can't even speak. And Samit tells her he wants her to come for him, for his sake, to support him. It tells Jenny she is strong and Jenny agrees she is strong but Summit is telling her not to talk and Summit says this time he just wants to stay calm and he wants everyone to stay calm and Jenny wants Summit's parents to accept that she has things to say she can't just sit there and be quiet and she says she is supposed to just sit there quietly and take all the abuse and she wonders how Summit can even suggest that when it's not good for her. She asks how he can tell her not to even speak. Sumit tells Jenny, as a wife, she needs to understand her husband's situation. Jenny says she would like it if Sumit would be more with her on her side. And Sumit wants to do his best to calm his parents and also support them. Whatever he can do, he will do. Jenny asks, what if she is crying and upset? She says Sumit will be so busy hugging his parents and consoling them, as she sits there and cries by herself. Jenny can be annoying sometimes. You no, know that his parents hate her and it's a different culture and this is a very deep thing and this is a very difficult thing, but Jenny doesn't seem to understand that she already got what she wants. She is Submit's wife. She is married to Submit, And Submit just wants to try and keep some type of relationship with his parents. He loves his parents, even if they don't like Jenny. So he wants to do this respectfully and he wants to deliver the blow that he's married while also supporting his parents because for his parents, they will be shunned in their society, they will be looked at as bad people just because their son chose a non-traditional path. And so he knows this and he wants to also support them because his choice affects them too. It affects their social circle, it affects his parents' place in society, it affects their whole life. And it's not just that they are upset that their son married a woman 30 years older than him from America. It's much deeper than that, and it affects them, and a parent-child relationship is different than in the U.S. Things are different in India. Jenny should try and respect that, and instead of just supporting Sumit, she wants to complain that he might be comforting his parents as she is upset by what they say. Jenny only seems to think of herself. She isn't seeing the big picture, and she isn't putting her ego aside to just support Sumit, regardless of how his parents feel about her. And submit is caught between a rock and a hard place. He married Jenny. She has him for sure. So why can't she just set her ego aside and set herself aside to just support him? Everything seems to be about her when she should be thinking of how submit feels in all this. This is big for him. She already married submit. Can't she set herself aside for one day? Jenny seems very selfish about this. Jenny is worried that submit is more on his parents' side. And Samit asks her why she needs to prove that she is always right. Jenny raises her voice and she says she is just thinking about what is going to happen. She points her finger aggressively and she tells Samit, and she's yelling at him now. Just listen to me, she says. She says she always has to listen to him, but he doesn't ever listen to her. Jenny says she knows what is going to happen. She says Samit thinks his parents will accept it and things will be fine and it's not going to go that way. Sumit asks if that means that he should stop trying with his parents. He explains these are his parents and Sumit explains if he wants his parents to be with him and to love him, he has to always keep trying with them and he also has to keep Jenny happy as his wife. Jenny warns Sumit to treat her as his wife and she tells him not to abandon her for his family and when he tells them he is married, Jenny fears will reignite the anger and things will get ugly back to Kimberly and Usman Kim doesn't feel good about the situation with her friends she's just walked out and taken a moment for herself she says they're supposed to be her friends and she doesn't interrogate their lives like that so she wonders why it's her life that's being interrogated like this she doesn't know all the answers but she knows how she feels about Usman she asks why can't that just be enough Her friends are laughing at the table. They think it's stupid. They don't know why Kim gets so mad at them. Kim rejoins her friends again and she tells them that she feels that anytime she talks about Usman, it's negative. And her friend explains that they are just protective of her because she has been in shitty relationships where she has not been treated very well. Her other friend says this is their job, so they ask the questions. Her friend says Kim is mentioning a second wife and kids, but she wants them to not ask questions about it. Kim agrees it's a lot to digest. Kim's friends say the moment Kim hears something she doesn't want to hear, she can throw a fit and it's not okay. Her friend says her two-year-old son doesn't even do that. And she says maybe Kim gets so defensive with them because she doesn't have confidence in her relationship yet but she wants them to believe that she does and she wants to believe she has confidence in her relationship, but she isn't there yet. Her friend asks about how Kim found out on the last trip that Usman had been talking to some lady Zara and now Kim and Usman are supposedly a hundred percent committed fully according to Kim and her friend asks how Kim knows that and Kim says she just knows. And her friend makes Kim promise that before she proposes that she makes sure that Usman isn't talking to any other women. She tells Kim she has to ask Usman these questions about the second wife and the kids. Her other friend says the reason they ask Kim these questions is that they are just looking out for her best interests. Kim admits she doesn't like it when her friends question her. She gets defensive when it comes to Usman. But she, too, has questions about the relationship, like about what will happen when she and Usman do get married with the second wife, and everything. Kim wants to propose, but until she gets some answers, it's not going to happen, she says. Next up are Yara and Jovi. They've been married two years, and they have a 17-month-old daughter together. Yara and Jovi met on a travel app. They talked for three months on WhatsApp, and then they met in Budapest. They had an awkward first day and he didn't trust yara so he slept with his wallet passport and cell phone under his pillow four or five months after that jovi proposed and the only option for them to be together was for yara to come to the u.s so she applied for a k-1 and she was approved yara hated living in new orleans at first she says it was dirty and it was nasty They got married and seven months later they had baby Mila and it was the best experience of Yara's life. After Mila was a month old, Jovi had to go back to work. And when he got home, Yara moved to an area in the woods that wasn't in the city. And she did it to keep Mila safe. Yara wanted Mila away from the city, away from all the partying and the drinking. But Jovi says having a baby didn't have to mean their lives had to end now Jovi misses the old Yara but Yara says when you become a parent you have to be responsible but she tries to loosen up a bit to show Jovi that they can still have fun together Yara is going to go out with friends and Jovi complains that he feels like he's just the babysitter now Jovi just got back from working and Yara has a new routine of going out with friends That she just made and jovi understands that yara watches the baby while he is away working but he would love to come home from work and have fun with his friends or more importantly he would love to spend time with yara jovi asks yara if she thinks it's fair to just go out and do what she wants as he gets stuck at home with the baby all of the time jovi thinks he and yara should both be doing the same thing Yara wants Jovi to be happy that she finally found friends. Jovi doesn't like these girls. He thinks they're influencing Yara in the wrong way. He says these girls stay out all night, they never go home, and that isn't the kind of people he thinks Yara should hang out with. Yara tells Jovi her best friends are in the Ukraine where he took her from, and she only ever gets to speak to her 17-month-old Mila. She's afraid she will start talking like a baby because she has no one to talk to but Mila when Jovi is away. Jovi wants to come home from work and spend time with his family and Yara doesn't think her going out for two hours should be such a big deal to Jovi. Jovi says every time Yara goes out she is gone for way longer than two hours and he warns Yara not to make this a habit. Yara explains she was staying home with Mila, so if she decides to go out once in a while it's Jovi's turn to watch her. Yara doesn't go to party she just goes to have a few drinks with her friends. She says she doesn't go to lose her shit in the strip club so it's a different story than the way Jovi likes to party. Yara says Jovi makes her feel like she is a shitty person because she wants to get out and have fun. Jovi asks Yara to be reasonable to come home by a decent time Jovi says he's jealous because he is stuck at home while all of Yara's friends get to hang out with fun Yara and Jovi would prefer that he and Yara go out together but they don't find time for each other anymore and Jovi thinks if they didn't have Mila, they would be divorced already if he and Yara don't spend more time together he fears their marriage will fail. Next up are Elizabeth and Andre. Elizabeth meets up with her sisters and her mom. She has been distancing herself from her family recently because of everything that happened at the family barbecue last year. It's been at least six months since she spent time with her sisters and her mom. So Elizabeth is looking forward to this and she hopes it's going to be peaceful, not like the last family gathering. Elizabeth tells her sisters and her mom that they recently joined a tennis club and her mom wonders if they even play tennis in Moldova. Elizabeth mentions that now she and Andre are at a place where she can do what she wants to do, like singing. Her sisters seem skeptical as Libby explains that she has been trying to figure out what makes her happy that isn't so stressful, and she loves to sing. Andre supports Libby following her passion. Libby doesn't like Andre's approach, though, because she feels it is like He is giving her permission to step down from working and to do her own thing. And she feels she doesn't need his permission. She's a grown woman. And Libby's mom and sisters say Libby is just telling Andre what she wants to do. She isn't trying to get his permission. Libby's sister fears Andre might get in the way of Libby's plans. And she is suspicious of Andre supporting her sister's dreams. Makes her wonder what is in this for Andre. Libby's mom mentions that Charlie, who has been estranged from the family for half a year, he misses everyone and she asks Libby and her sisters if they're at a place where they are ready to talk to him to allow him to apologize. Sisters have all told Charlie how they feel and they told him they want Charlie to get help and then after he gets help, they will come back around. But Charlie still hasn't done that and Libby explains That drinking is a huge problem for Charlie, and she says her mom is 100% in denial about it. Libby and her sisters miss Charlie and his wife too, but they don't want to be involved in it for their own mental health, and they also don't want to sweep this under the rug like the family usually does. Not this time. Libby's mom thinks her daughters are being judgmental. She thinks it's very judgmental of them to do this. And Libby explains that just because Charlie is their brother, it doesn't mean they have to put up with his bullshit as grown adults who have their own families to consider. Libby's mom wants to get a mediator or a counselor to come in so everyone can sit down and talk. Libby's mom wants them to find a common ground to get past all of this. And Libby's sisters feel their mom is ignoring Charlie's drinking problem her mom has a big birthday coming up and she wants all of her kids together at the same place at the same time for the birthday Libby's mom feels stuck in the middle she loves all of her kids the same and she hopes they will all be able to make it to the birthday back to Shida and Bilal today they're meeting with Bilal's ex-wife Bilal would love for Shida and his ex to get along because of his kids His kids mean everything to him because peace is so important for the entire family. He wants everyone to bury the hatchet and move forward. Shida is going into this being very open-minded. She wants an apology from Bilal's ex-wife and then she wants to put this thing to rest. Shida wants to move past this with Shahida for the sake of Bilal and his kids, but at the same time she says she isn't a second-class citizen and she won't be pushed around. After the incident happened, Bilal met with Shahida. Shida says she gets upset every time she thinks about how Shahida behaved in her kitchen. She never did anything to her, but she feels disrespected by her in her own home because Shahida mentioned things that were none of her concern. Bilal says Shida can hold on to it or let it go. Shida says if Shahida hadn't acted that way, she would not have anything to say. Bilal feels the Muslim thing to do is to forgive his ex-wife if she apologizes. Shida feels it's good to move forward, but she says she's nobody's fool and she feels a divorced wife should not come into her ex's house to tell the new wife anything she wants. Shahida, Bilal's ex-wife, was wrong in how she interrogated Shida over the prenup. I think she should be making sure her kids' assets are protected and that the prenup got signed eventually, but she did come on much too strong with Shida bringing up the prenup in her home and bringing up that Shida didn't have assets while Bilal has more assets. And she said all kinds of things when all she had to make clear to Shida was it wasn't about her thinking Shida is a gold digger, but she just wants to be sure her kids' assets are protected should Shida and Bilal divorce. She should have talked to Bilal about making sure to protect the kids' assets in the event of a divorce, but she should not have gone to Shida directly or mentioned it in the manner she did. Bilal wants Shida to move on from it, and Shida says she has given up a lot to be here, and now she is Bilal's wife. He wants Bilal to see this from her point of view. She doesn't want Bilal to jeopardize the relationship he has with his kids, but she wants Bilal to be on her side. Bilal says they're always going to be in each other's lives. His ex is the mother of his kids. He feels it's very unhealthy to have bickering. Bilal bought Shida and Shahida the same book on how to get along in a blended family. Bilal is a bookworm, we learn, and he makes Shida read a book or two every month. Shida thinks Bilal thinks just because he gave her the book that it's just going to make everything better. And Shida tells Bilal that he has to deal with his ex for the kid's sake, but she doesn't have to deal with her, and she didn't come to the U.S. to have anything or anyone disturbing her peace. So if things go sideways, it's Bilal's problem, not hers. And Bilal snarkily responds that that sounds like a supportive wife. And Shida says she isn't the type to deal with baby mama drama, and she refuses to be a part of it. Bilal wants to be on Shida's side. When he first met Shida, he let her know it was a priority for him to have peace with his ex-wife because kids are his top priority. So Shida has to be willing to accept peace if things don't go well today. Bilal says he could be looking at a steep uphill battle. Next up is Yara. She meets her friends. She met them a year ago and she likes them because she is very opinionated and vocal. She says what she thinks just like her friends do. Yara tells her friends that she told Jovi he needs to be happy for her because she finally has friends to go out with. Yara thinks Jovi is being selfish. She understands that when he is at work he isn't away partying, he's not out with friends, but when Jovi is gone she is a single mom alone and she doesn't get to go out. So she thinks Jovi needs to support her. Yara's friends suggest a girl's trip, and Yara says Jovi won't like that. They share locations, and he will check every second on where Yara is. And Yara's friends tell her they don't share their locations with their husbands or boyfriends or their people, and that it's not a normal thing to do. Jovi asked Yara to share her locations with him initially when she first got to the U.S. because it was a very scary place, and she knew she might get lost, And he still checks her location now. And as a mom with a toddler and no driver's license, she says it's hard to leave the house anyways. Yara tells her friends she doesn't understand why Jovi has this trust issue. And they tell her it's because she is out of his league. One friend says Jovi isn't crazy attractive. She says Yara is much cuter. And they tell her there's more of world to explore. Jovi chooses to go to the strip club all the time anyways they even suggest that Yara could find a man that would love to be with her and take on the baby as well I don't know if I like these friends Jovi reminds Yara of her mom she says and she says she finds him attractive Yara mentions that she is much less confident she says having a baby changes your body and your boobs after breastfeeding change a lot so she says her boobs are really tired and they need help She says before her pregnancy, she was very confident, but now she isn't so confident and she wants to fix her body to feel more confident. And Jovi is very blunt. He tells her things like she doesn't look nice, that her boobs don't look nice, and she thinks getting a boob job will make her feel more confident to improve her sex life because it's hard to feel sexy when your husband criticizes you. Next up are Jenny and Samit. They are cleaning out their old place because Samit's mom is a clean freak, and Samit's parents are coming over along with Samit's brother and sister in law so Samit can break the news that he and Jenny are married. Jenny says the last time Samit's parents visited, all she got was criticized about how dirty house was. Jenny will be there as Samit's wife to support him, but she thinks this is a really bad idea. She thinks they will take Samit away from her and all hell will break loose. Samit says his parents never really liked Jenny, and he knows this will break their heart. He hopes his parents can see how happy he is with Jenny, and he hopes he doesn't have to lose the relationship with his parents. Jenny brings out tea as Samit and his brother and his sister-in-law and his mom and dad are all seated, and Jenny complains that she is so hot from being in the kitchen. And Samit's mom snarkily asks You're hot from just making tea, almost as if Jenny is weak for feeling hot. And Jenny explains that she was in the kitchen for a while. And Samit's mom says, well, one has to do it. Samit's mom asks Jenny how she is. And she says she is well in Hindi. And Samit's mom mocks her, saying it sounds like she pressed a button with the way that she said it. Samit's mom tells her daughter-in-law to look at how fat Jenny's arms are in their language. And Jenny tries to be nice, and she asks how everyone has been. And Samit's dad is retiring in January, so she congratulates him. Jenny says Samit told her not to speak, but he isn't saying anything at all, and it's awkward, and it makes her feel even more nervous. And she just wishes Samit would start talking so they can get this over with. It's incredibly awkward. And Jenny asks... If they remember the last time they were over when she and Sumit's parents had the nice talk in the park where they agreed they would not stop Jenny from being with Submit, although they would not condone a wedding. Jenny asks Sumit's parents what happened with that because she never saw his parents again after that. Jenny tells Sumit's parents that what she took from that conversation was that they were accepting her and that they loved her. Sumit chimes in in Hindi that his parents had accepted them being together. Jenny says she thought they said they would not stop them from getting married. And Sumit's mom says she never said that. And Sumit says she did say it. And she insists she did not say that and she doesn't agree with them getting married. And she never will. Sumit's mom tells Sumit and Jenny if they think that they will be happy for them if they get married, that will never happen. She tells Sumit that he and Jenny will never get married and that not even on her deathbed would she say Submit can marry Jenny. And his mom argue back and forth about what she said initially, that she would never stop them or get in their way. And his mom says she wants to see proof that she said that. Then Submit reveals that he and Jenny are actually married. His mom says Samit should never dare to show his face to her again, and if he shows up at her door, she will insult him and throw him out. Samit's dad tries to calm his wife down, but she is beside herself, asking how Samit could do this. And Samit's mom just starts sobbing. Wow. And that's how the episode ends. That does it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys next week for the next episode. Bye.